has changed. It's about time to upgrade our Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad.
All right, welcome to the Global Show on Block Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, we're starting a brand new week. We have brand new week, a brand new uh, crop of guests to be on the show uh, for the entire week uh, that we're on. We're on from, I'm on from um, uh, Monday through Thursday, every week, Monday through Thursday, 6 o'clock p.m. Standard Time uh, to um, 7.30 p.m. Standard Time. So it's an hour and a half of George Walter Jr.'s show every day. So we have about, uh, how many episodes have we uh, done so far? Have I done so far? Uh, I think 487 episodes. Actually, it's a, a lot more than that. I deleted some of the uh, some of the episodes, some of the shows that I, I didn't find interesting. And some of the guests uh, didn't find interesting. But it, it's a great show. But uh, we, uh, I've done a lot of shows. So uh, any one of those shows you can listen to podcast right here on on blog talk radio right here any one of those shows that i've done and they're and they all stand the test of time it's almost like listening to you know <laughs> you can listen to a show from two years ago and it'll sound like it was recorded um it'll sound live as if it was uh, uh currently uh uh being broadcast live it's just the, the shows are just phenomenal from what I'm not just saying that because it's me. I'm just <laughs> I'm saying it because other people have uh, have said that. You know, I, I don't want to be a braggart or anything, but you know, I I do want to kind of toot my own horn. I think that's uh, I think a lot of people should do that. If you know that you're good at something, you know that you're good at something, not because you say you're good, but other people say you're good at it. If you know that you're good, at, um, tout your own horn, blow your own horn. Say, hey, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. Hey, wow. People are saying that I'm good at this. People are, don't, don't be embarrassed because being shy, I'm going to say you something, folks. Being shy will get you nowhere. Being bashful and shy and and have, and have and trying not to, and trying thinking that you don't, and thinking you do not deserve your success, and you have other people who are saying that you don't deserve your success, uh, that will tear you apart. If there's someone out there saying, hey, wow, you don't deserve the successes that you deserve, get rid of those people. There's something, oh, you don't deserve the money that you're making. Give it to me. Get rid of those people. There are nothing. Uh, one of the things, don't worry about meeting other people's expectations. Stop trying to impress other people. It doesn't work. The more you try to impress somebody, the more they're going to want you to impress them. You know, so they're going to always try to keep you back, hold you back until you try to impress them. The only person you impress is yourself. Other people don't, uh, you don't have to impress anybody. You know, because if you're impressive, they're going to come over to your side because they want to be on the side that's winning. So, you know, I mean... Um, yeah, I mean, hey, wow, this this is what it's all about. You know, stop. If you're good at something, and I think I'm good at this, I've been told I've been good at this, I'm going to say I'm good at this. And that same thing, if you're good at something, it doesn't matter whether it's writing a book, fixing hair, cutting hair, you know, <laughs> running an organization, mopping floors. If you're good at something, say you're good at it. Brag about it good at something and you know you're good at something, other people are going to notice you and say, hey, wow, you're good 
you're good at being a, a, a writer. You're good at being an actor. You're good at a doctor or a nurse, accountant or a bookkeeper. You're good at it. If you're good at something, that doesn't matter what you do. You're good at mopping floors. You're good at dumping garbage. Uh, no matter what you do, if you're good at it, say you're good at it. Brag. Tell the world, I'm good at this. A lot of people are going to think you're uppity. There's people going to think that you're a braggart. Let them think what they want to think. If you're good at something, you're good at it. And if other people have told you that you're good at it, that's better. And, uh, you know, I mean, we all sometimes, we don't want to uh, appear like we're egotistical or we're selfish or narcissistic or any of those, you know. You don't want to think, you don't want to, you know, put all those accolades on yourself. However, you should. You should. If you're good at something, you're good at it. If other people tell you that you're good at it, believe it. Those folks that say you're not good at anything, get rid of them. Those folks who try to make you feel like you ought to impress them in some kind of way, get rid of them. Those folks who say that you don't deserve what you have and give it to them, get rid of them. Because they will be the cause of your downfall. And believe me, those kinds of people want to see you fall. And then after you fall on your face, they're going to laugh. All right, you've been listening to the George. How do we get on that? <laughs> oh, okay. I've done so many shows. And you got to be good at what you do. Uh, I, I have to be good at this because basically I'm the sole person that's running the show. I mean, I could hire a producer or have a producer or have all these ads on the show, but why pay people to do something that you can do for yourself? And that's what I always try to tell people. If you can do something for yourself, even Stephen King, that great horror author, said that uh, – why hire somebody to mangle your book when you can mangle your book? Why pay somebody to screw up your book in the editing phase? And that's the same thing I, I do. I say, why would I want to hire? Because I used to have people editing my writing. And they did a worse, worse job on my writing than I could ever do. I mean, if you just saw all kinds of symbols and and misspellings and and grammar. I didn't do that. The people who I hired to edit my book did that. So I say, hey, wow, I'm getting rid of you guys. I'll find another way to get myself edited and I will be the one in charge. So, so, you know, if you're good at something, I'm saying this again, I spent about 10 minutes saying this, right? So <laughs> if you're good at something, brag about it. If you're good at something, that you love doing, tell the world about it. Don't worry trying to impress anybody. I mean, because if you're trying to impress people, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. You can't impress people. Maybe a few or some, but a lot of people are, are assholes. Some of them are just plain old assholes. And, you, and if you try impressing them, you know, <laughs> you, won't get, you will not get far. Okay, put it that way. But anyway, if you're good at something, you know, Brag about it. Tell people you, you're good at it. Uh, make a note of it, you know, and then just keep being good at what you do. And you'd be surprised at the people who will 
galvanized towards you because you're good at what you do. You'd be surprised at the people who want to learn from you because you're good at what you do. They, they're looking up to you as a role model because you're good at what you do. They want to be like you because you're good at what you do. No matter what you do, be the best at it. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda doing the show on Block Talk Radio. Uh, making the world a better place one, one show at a time. Hate, lie, <laughs> and bullying is not allowed on this show. It will not happen. My guest is Bob Runch. Uh, as I just got through uh, saying, Dr. Bob Runch, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, don't worry about meeting their expectations, worry about meeting your own expectations. Be the best that you can be. Be uh, as good and as talented as you can be, and people will galvanize around you. Of course, you're going to get some assholes coming trying to take advantage of what you're doing, but that's up to you. You've got to weed those folks out, you know. And uh, you, you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. And we're now on the air. We're live, but we we will be broadcast, uh, podcast later. Uh, and one one of the things I've always said about uh, the internet radio is is that uh, you can always listen anytime, anywhere you want to. You don't have to always have to listen live as I am right now, particularly right now until the show is uh, recorded and podcast. But we're live now, and you can listen to the show anytime you want to. Whether you can listen in your car. You can listen in your bedroom. You can listen anywhere you want to. You can listen on your phone while you're on the, coming home <laughs> on the uh, subway. Anywhere, anytime you want to. It doesn't matter. It, the show is here for your convenience. That's what it's for. It's for your convenience anytime you – but do listen. That's the, <laughs> that's the number one thing to uh, do is to listen to the George Wilder Jr. show. There's a lot of great shows out there. But uh, if, you, if you're listening to or being a part of any other show, just make the George Wilder Jr. show a part of your daily listening. It's only an hour and a half. That's all. It's a powerful, uh, it's a powerful hour and a half, I think. Anyway. All right. Uh, what's in the news? Okay. <laughs> what's in the news? I have to talk about what's, what's going on, folks, because, you know, this is our country, and, and we have to take – heed and what's going on. Okay, so we all know about those um, school shootings, uh, the uh, Stoneman, uh, Florida Parkman High School where 17 kids, 17 people were killed. Okay, now uh, I'm seeing that extremist militia plans to keep an eye on schools. Yeah, you get, just like you have some of these uh, people around keeping an eye on um, what, what, what they used to call them, the angels or something, or um, but now, uh, extremists. So I'm always saying the word extremist means really over the top. <laughs> if you think about it, the, it really means over the top, you know. So extremist militia, militia plans to keep an eye on schools, but who's going to keep an eye on them? Okay, uh, they're not police officers. They're not the military. They're just a bunch of guys with assault rifles who's saying that they're going to try and protect schools. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, this is just coming to me right now. And um, I always say extremist to me means over the top, 
really far, far right or alt-right. And uh, I'm looking at some guy in in army fatigues and a bulletproof vest uh, on the top of a school uh, with an assault rifle. I'm, I'm assuming that he's out to try to protect the schools, not to assault the schools. Wow, we are living in a <laughs> we are living in some hell of a time times here, folks. America has just fallen. I'm writing a book called American Fallen. American has fallen. I'm writing a book, and um, I, I got about 10,000, 11,000 11, words. It's called America Has Fallen, but it's, it's I'm not going to say it's fallen that far, but during the Trump administration, it, 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 and it's going to be all about the, 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 the dealings of the Trump administration and, and America, so it'll, it'll be uh, during the Trump administration, his, his time in office. Where I think America has actually fallen. I mean, we've fallen so far uh, in terms of status in the world. We're at the bottom. We're in the sewer. I mean, most of the most of the world leaders, uh, they don't want nothing to do with America anymore. I mean, we need friends, right? We need allies, but a lot of them are uh, uh, running away from us because of who we have in the White House right now. I mean, this guy is just a mess. And I want to say something about him saying lately that I guess he's trying to um, uh, criticize the uh, the uh, Florida Parkland police and their response to the shooting. Some of the police officers didn't go in. <laughs> and Trump, this is so funny, and Trump uh, said on national TV that he would have gone in school even though there was an active shooter inside the school, Trump said he would go inside of the school unarmed. Wow, did he get a backlash from that? He got a whipping off of that one. <laughs> Especially social media. I mean, how in the hell? Yeah, Trump said, if you didn't hear it or you didn't see it, <laughs> it's out there. Just go research it. It's out there. Trump saying <laughs> it's all over the, all over everywhere. Trump saying that that he would uh, would have gone inside the school where there where there was an active shooter with an AR-15, he would have gone in unarmed. Now I'll let you bite on that for a while. We will be right back because <laughs> I still can't believe it. I really still can't believe it. But that he would say something like that. But as I've always said, Trump talks out of his butt. I, we'll be right back.
I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. I am confident now, even more so than I have been throughout the last year, that this nightmare presidency of Donald John Trump will end prematurely and end soon, and I am thus also confident that this is the correct moment to end this series of commentaries. The important stuff first. There are seven routes in front of Trump. Each inevitably ends in his impeachment or resignation. The first, the likeliest, became a thousand times more likely with the Thanksgiving news of a possible deal between Robert Mueller and General Michael Flynn. As I reported here as long ago as April 4th, the most specifically qualified expert alive on the subject of prosecuting a president, my friend, the Nixon White House counsel John Dean, put it to me very simply. Mueller is not shooting down. Mueller does not make a deal with Flynn to get Paul Manafort. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Jared Kushner. He does not make a deal with Flynn to get Trump Jr. Mueller makes a deal with Flynn to get Donald Trump. Period. The Flynn deal report suggests Mueller has completely assembled the backbone of his case and is now just hanging the meat from it. And just as importantly, if Flynn has merely considered a deal from Mueller, it almost necessarily means Flynn either doesn't believe he would get a pardon from Trump or that Mueller, as I've also reported here, has succeeded in finding a way around Trump's pardon power. And either of these near certainties spell Trump's doom. So that's the most obvious of the seven ways for Trump to go now. Mueller really will get him on Russia. It will be ugly and it will tear this country nearly apart, but it will be necessary. The second way is, as I've also repeatedly suggested here, that Mueller doesn't really need to prove anything about Trump and Russian sabotage of the election. There seems to be so much obstruction of justice from the firing of James Comey to the lies about Trump Jr.'s meetings with the Russians, that it's hard to pick out a key player in the Trump inner circle who could not be guilty of it. Trump could be impeached on just obstruction of justice and a few lesser charges. Nixon was about to be. Or there is a third way. We could be spared the trauma of a Russia impeachment or an obstruction of justice impeachment as we were spared it with Nixon if Trump is smart or just sufficiently scared enough, and he resigns. Or if he isn't, those around him who could still sell themselves by selling him out will force him to resign. A modified version of this, of course, is the fourth possible outcome, that even if Mueller is months away from his denouement, the Republicans will impeach or remove Trump by spring purely to save their own asses. The state elections in Virginia and Oklahoma earlier this month show what could face Republican incumbents nationwide next November. Not only were Democratic victories overwhelming, but half of them were little morality plays. The 26-year-old lesbian beats the Republican in the district Trump won by nearly 40 points a year ago. The transgendered candidate in Virginia beats the guy who wrote an anti-equality bathroom bill. The boyfriend of a news reporter shot to death on camera beats the Republican pro-NRA candidate. I'll say it again. Richard Nixon was not forced out of office by Democrats, not really even by Watergate. Democrats controlled the Senate and the House every day Richard Nixon was president. They could have impeached him at any point. He resigned when the leading Republicans went into the White House and told him that not only would he be impeached and convicted, but he would take all of them down with him and they were not going to let him do that. So that's the fourth way out. Trump becomes more of an albatross to Republicans and more importantly more of a rallying cry to Democrats and the Republicans remove him before the midterms and then boastfully run for re-election on having removed him. 
The fifth endgame is the same thing, only faster. The Republicans around him pull off that palace coup that is perfectly legal under the 25th Amendment, and Mike Pence and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell eject Trump by simply stating he is unfit and getting their majorities to agree he's unfit. And if you don't think Pence and Ryan and McConnell would do that, you didn't see Trump's crazy tweet about the Man of the Year award or this thing in front of the Native Americans on Monday, and you don't know Pence and Ryan and McConnell. The sixth means by which Trump leaves early is, of course, that if the Republicans don't impeach Trump before the midterms, the Democrats will be able to after the midterms. If Virginia and New Jersey and Oklahoma are indicators, the Democrats could take the House and might need as few as 25 vulnerable Republicans in the Senate to vote guilty to remove Trump from office. But now there is a seventh new path to destruction for Trump, and it has bubbled up from the sewer of his life recently. And even with how Teflon he has been on this particular subject, it seems hard to believe the dam won't break. His sexual conduct as not one snowball, but a decade's worth of them have come down that hill, wiping out all the sleaze bags and emboldening and empowering the victims. It seems impossible to believe that some claimant somewhere does not have tangible evidence against Trump and that they won't say to hell with it and break one of those non-disclosure agreements and Trump will suddenly be envying Harvey Weinstein. Trump himself inadvertently has hinted at this. The New York Times buried the lead on this over the weekend. But it reported that earlier this year, Trump told a senator that the Access Hollywood pussy grabber tape was a fake. And he has said the same thing again recently to a White House staffer. He's obviously trying to work the refs of public opinion in advance for whatever is coming next, from a woman here or from Russia. So, I don't see any way out for Trump. Seven freight trains rushing at him. He might avoid a few. He might avoid six of them. He's not going to dance his way out from under all seven. And we, I think, should try to put ourselves in the mindset of those Americans who knew Richard Nixon was guilty as hell after John Dean finished testifying on June 27, 1973. But we're all left wondering if there would ever be a way to prove it. And we're left listening to a majority of the country saying Dean was lying and left watching nearly the entirety of the gullible news media saying, this was nonsense. Why would a president, even one as crazy as Nixon, ever do this? And more importantly, even if he were somehow guilty, how would he ever be dumb enough to leave any evidence of his guilt? And 16 days later, it turned out Virtually everything in the Oval Office had been taped, and the ballgame was over, even though it would last another 13 months. Well, this ballgame is also over, and I don't think it's going to last another 13 months. And so this series is over. This was intended as something temporary, a two-month project by somebody who had given up politics. And instead it became 187 commentaries and around 225,000 words and something approaching 400 million views. And I am proud of it, and I repudiate none of it. All right, thanks. <laughs> I always love Keith Oberman. He's always uh, full of joy. Uh, and as he's said, as the guy has said, he's not doing commentaries anymore. And uh, that... Uh, is a loss. I think, I think that's a loss. Keith was a voice. When they fired him from MSNBC, he was pissed off. He went and started his own web series on, 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 on uh, YouTube, and it, and it was a su successful one. Successful. Can I say successful? <laughs> okay, successful. And uh, 
I have a feeling he's come, he's going to come back. I, got, I have a feeling that he is really, really going to, uh, uh, because I mean, this is, it's in his blood. He has to come back. I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure there's people out there, his fans are trying to get him to come back to uh, uh, do those commentaries again because they were great. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, broadcasting out of the state of Illinois. And I feel good, folks. I really feel good. There are sometimes I'm doing a show and I just feel lousy, but I feel <laughs> I feel great. And, uh, you know, it, it, even though the world is, the world is falling apart. I feel good. Okay. All right. You're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Go. Bob. Hey, oh, hey. <laughs> Sorry about that, George. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is Dr. Bob Roush. All right. Bob, uh, how do you pronounce your last name? Because I, I don't know if I've been messing it up. Bob Rush or... Rush? No, it's Roush. 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 Okay, Dr. Bob Roush on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks a lot for doing this show. Thanks for for uh, having me getting your name right. <laughs> oh, and... no problem. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, Dr. Bob Roush on the George Wilder Jr. Show. All right, tell us, tell us, uh, give us a little bio and tell us what you do and tell us about your book. Okay. Uh, actually, I I um, I'm a uh, project kid. I grew up in the projects in Baltimore and um, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the short long version but but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah I grew up in the projects in Baltimore and actually didn't do much with my life whatsoever. We lived in three different projects and it was kind of a, a it was an interesting place. Of course back then it wasn't like some of the projects now. I mean some of the projects now are more violent. Back then it wasn't so violent but but it was still, you know, it wasn't the, the best place in the world. But I uh, I actually decided to go in the Air Force when I was 17 years old. And and when I went into the Air Force, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I was during the Vietnam t- era. And yeah. uh, and I, I, really, uh, I really grew up. And the other thing that happened to me uh, when I when I went into the, the military is the fact that a guy, I remember a guy asking me, he's my trainer, he asked me if I'd go to church with him. And I said, well, sure, you know, I, I'll go to church. I wouldn't do anything else except, you know, working on jet engines. And that's that's what I did in the Air Force. <laughs> for for yeah. three years, 10 months, and 19 days, I was a jet engine mechanic. And uh, yeah. But anyway, when he, he invited me to church, I had I had never been to a like a Protestant church. I was, I was raised, I wasn't raised anything, but, but um, my dad was Catholic and he thought, you know, he thought uh, my older sister and I needed to have a, uh, we needed to get christened and we needed to get confirmed. Well, I, we both got christened and then she, uh, she decided not to do confirmation. And I decided to do it. And um, so when he invited me to this Baptist this Baptist church and I walked in there and I thought, holy mackerel, you know, they had these, these theater seats. And, um, and I thought I have walked into the snake charming pit of the world and drinking <laughs> poison and all that stuff. And, but anyway, it was yeah. a great time. What I did is I, I basically gave my life to Christ. I gave my life to, to the Lord uh, in that church and, um, yeah. and everything changed, George. I mean, I, I had never even thought of college really, but, uh, all of a sudden, I had this tremendous desire to um, 
to go to college, and, and I did, and then I uh, I got involved in a church. I was on staff of a church for a while when I was in my mid-20s, and, uh, and, and I, I, one day I told the, the senior pastor, I said, you know, Billy, I, I, I need to go get my doctorate degree in psychology. I mean, if I stay in the church, yeah. I'm going to kill somebody, and so I, I really need to get, get over here. Because it was so, um, it was so conventional. It was so um, yeah. uh, legalistic uh, in that particular yeah. area of the of the world. And so, I, you know, I I went to um, I went out to Santa Barbara, got my PhD in clinical psychology, and uh, and it Great. started a private practice. All of that is to say that uh, that I've I've really given my life to helping men. I mean, that's that's. That's the group I work with. Um, I work with uh, executives. Bob, Bob, excuse me. Uh, excuse me. I, I want to yeah. jump in there. You, you said you're giving your life to helping men? Yes. Wow, that's great. Because most of the people who well, come on the show, they're always wanting to help out women. And what about us? <laughs> women are, yes, right. Women are doing fine. You know, I mean, if they can hit, you know, the problem is that they got men hanging around them too much. You know, I mean, no, yeah, I, and yeah, I say this. Uh, well, thanks. I say this with all um, honesty. I mean, I, I've I've been around a, a good bit of women leaders, and yeah, I've been around yeah. a lot of male leaders. And I can tell you that I believe yeah. that women have the greatest potential to do some great things in our country in any company. In any I do company. too. I do uh, too. I yeah, I've worked for a lot of women and I work for the, I work for a lot of women and I work for a lot of men and I put the women on a pedestal. I, I I enjoyed working with them and working with them and working for them because I I found it such a joy. Not I'm not belittling men, but I just found uh, working with women in my in my, in my perspective was uh, uh was uh, positive, very positive. Well, it's it's been for me too, George. It's been Mm-hmm. Bob? Did we lose Bob? I think we lost Bob. <laughs> okay. Maybe he'll call back. Maybe, uh, well, we I still see his uh, number on the screen. Okay, we're going to do something and maybe Bob will get it together and uh, uh, let's see, can we do something? You're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Bob, I think we lost you. Um, let's see. Okay, B, 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 B. All right, we'll wait for Bob to return. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we lost you. Yeah, we lost you. Yeah. What yeah. happened? Well, I don't know. I you did lose me. I lost y'all too. <laughs> so, but we're back. Okay, I I was listening to you all of a sudden you went blank and I I was uh I thought maybe it would have been on my end, but it everything seems okay on this end. So that's why I played the clip and uh anyway, you're back. Uh, just okay. continue. 
Yeah, and it, you know, maybe we were saying we were maybe it's because we were saying that we had a, a great uh, uh, love and affinity for women. We be and believe that women. <laughs> you really and think so? Men have a yeah, and men have a long way to go. Anyway, all of my even in my private practice, uh, a lot of I saw a lot of guys in my private practice, and and yeah. so as I began to. Um, to understand uh, some of the challenges that men have, you know, I almost got feeling sorry for them in a way. But uh, but the idea is, is that a lot of guys have um, really struggled with what I call the insatiable male attitude. It's never enough. Never, ever enough. Uh, never enough time, never enough money, never enough sex, never enough this, never yeah. enough that. And so I began to really get interested in that. And so when I when I got into um, when I got into wanting to write this book, now I've written three other books. Um, those books are on energy and performance. But when I got into this book, yeah. I call it the overwhelmed servant avoiding the three strap the three traps of spiritual burnout. And um, and it's it's written from a, a faith-based perspective. Um, when I was, uh, I think I mentioned when I was on the church staff. I mean, one of the things that I that I had an opportunity to do is do a lot of study of the scriptures, and and um, uh, you know, I, I really really got a lot out of people who who taught me how to how to study the scriptures and all that. So anyway, uh, I started looking at men and from the standpoint of what what's really going on with us and i found three things that really um are positive things that end up being mm -hmm. negative under stress uh and yeah. again the the book is about faith based it's a faith based perspective and the three things are this we're all taught as kids we're taught to have uh to be performers we like to perform you like to do good on you know you said it on your program just a minute ago you feel good today you know i mean it's really you know you don't yeah. always feel good but you feel really good today so we're all performers we're all people or men men are generally people who are taught to be responsible i'm not saying women aren't you know i'm just simply saying that yeah. men have been my focus um we're taught to to be responsible and we're also taught to please people i mean most people who are in business like to please other people now uh yeah. what what happens is under stress what i found was is there's this 180 effect and the 180 effect is those positive things begin to get to be, they, they become negative things uh the performance mm. gets to be now i got to prove myself and, yeah. um, you know, I heard the gentleman before I came on talking about Trump and all of that stuff. And, I, you know, I can say that whether it's in politics or whether it's in huge corporations or uh, I've worked for some big, big companies and done some executive coaching for big companies. But the truth of it is, yeah. is that I find the same three factors uh, in men when they become negative, get to be uh Rather than I'm performing, now I got to prove I'm good at what I do. Uh, responsibility yeah. gets when it shifts under the 180 effect. Then what happens is the male begins to be what I call hyper responsible. In other words, he feels like yeah. uh, he, everything's his responsibility. 
and I, I generally say it, that what happens is that the person feels that they're responsible for people rather than being responsible to people. And, uh, and the third thing is the idea that we like to please people under stress, the 180 effect under stress is I got to be a people pleaser. Now, all of those three things end up leading a man to a trap. And the trap is generally um, uh, higher levels of stress. And they have to find ways to eliminate that stress. And what I found, I call them escapes. What I found is, is that a lot of guys will go to things like pornography. They go to addictions, alcoholic addictions, uh, drug addiction. Um, they uh, they get into the the sexual um, harassment stuff. You know, they start hitting on women, and they just need attention. You know, they're trying to get attention. And so, uh, you know, when I when I hear people who are really in one of those traps, I know that they have been under a tremendous amount of stress. You know, and it's it, it, where it's really uh, relevant and really um, uh, shows the, the characteristics really show up is in ministers. Uh, there were some yeah. statistics read, and, it, and the, one of the statistics was that 1,500 ministers leave some form of their ministry a month. And they do that because of the amount of stress and, you know, and, and the pressure that they end up feeling. So they fall into the trap and they, you know, they get out of the ministry. Basically, that's what I did, you know, although I was pretty young. So, um, so the book is, is about these 180 effects and then what, what does a guy do about it, whether he's in a, in a corporation yeah, yeah. or whether he's in a church or whatever. And so I, I, I came up with some, I think, some pretty catchy uh, ways for for guys to deal with that stuff, and I and I've I've learned these particular. Uh, would you say these are solutions? These are solutions. Yes, they're okay. solutions. Okay. And I and I I learned the solutions from not from educated people. I learned the solutions from um, uh, from just the salt of the earth, uneducated yeah. guys mm -hmm. and women. Uh, i give you an example. I had one lady, I was doing a presentation on children. This has been years ago, but I was doing a presentation on uh, on children. At the end, people are up, coming up and asking me questions and all of that kind of stuff. And um, and I noticed this African-American lady, this older lady who was kind of holding back and going back. And she, when she finally got up to the front and we introduced ourselves, and she said, you know, she said, Dr. Bob, he, she said, I, what I learned uh, about my kids is that I really had to take control. So I used to tell them, I won't kill you, but I'll shoot you in the leg. And I thought, man, that is really good. You know, that, that is really pretty, <laughs> pretty cool. And it, it's just a catchy way of dealing with things. I had a guy tell me that um, I was doing some work in the steel industry, and one of yeah. the managers said that uh, one way that um, – uh, that he deals with stress is that you never park the car next to nothing to lose car. Uh, and I said, well, what in the world does that mean? And, um, and basically he said, you know, when you go to Walmart, you know, you don't want to park the brand new car next to a nothing to lose car. And, um, and I, I thought, you know, that, that's pretty interesting. You know, you're parking your new car next to a car, a car that has cardboard in the windows and, uh, bumpers yeah. falling off and all that kind of stuff. 
And um, and so I thought, you know, I kind of twisted it a little bit, and I said, never park your car next to, or never never park your life rather next to nothing to lose life. And um, you know, but it's catchy little things like that that I learned along the way that I, you know, yeah. I really, really enjoy. You know, don't let that, don't let anybody live in your head rent free. You know, if you think about somebody <laughs> and think negatively about them, uh, send them an invoice. Yeah, well, charge them. Yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. So that's what the, basically what the book is about. Wow, that's great. And uh, how long did it take you to write this book? I mean, and yeah, how long did it take you to write it? And how are people reacting to the book? Well, you know, I, actually, uh, it, it's not coming out to until um, late spring. So it's not out yet. Um, oh, it's not out yet. The, okay. No, not yet. It's not out yet. But, it, but okay. um, the reaction that I'm getting from the people that I'm sending it to, and I'm sending it to a group, just probably 10 people who are reading uh, the manuscript, and uh, yeah. you know, they just have really good things to say about it. You know, they, 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 uh, and men are really struggling. You know, men are really struggling. Now, I'm, uh, not, I'm not suggesting that women aren't. I mean, we're all struggling to some degree. I, I but, agree um, with you, Bob. I, I think men are struggling, too. I mean, as, as, as far as I know now, we, we're getting a bad rap, especially when it comes to uh, sexual harassment, because they're making it seem as if all, all men's sexual harassment. And I always try to turn the tables. There are some women who also sexual harass because I have been a victim. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, but men are getting a bad rap. So, you know, you know, especially on that subject. You're preaching to the choir here. You know, I, it, he, I'm the 2018 in my, in my practice is, is focused on relationships. I want to, I'm doing, um, mm -hmm. All of my um, uh, my newsletters are all of them are based on relationships, and I'm, uh, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and telling my wife, you know, there are different types of relationships. You have, you know, the mom and pop who stays home raising their kids. Are you still with me? Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still with you. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and it, and yeah, you I'm have here. the you know on the other end of the extreme, you have this this uh, dysfunctional family where um, where dad's not there or uh, my father was there but he was absent you know and uh, my father was a cab driver yeah. like I said it lived in the in the projects and and um, you know he was mad most of his life so it it wasn't you know he wasn't a real pleasant person. But you, but here's the here's the thing that I, I you know and I, I really do believe that there yeah. are also there are men certainly who do the sexual harassment stuff but there are women who do the sexual harassment stuff as well and um, and I, and I know in private practice that there there were times when I just knew that I needed to be very careful. Uh, when I saw a female client, I mean, there are there yeah. are people, women who set, uh, I want to say set guys up. I'll probably get really killed for this, but they set guys up, <laughs> and all of a sudden, the, the guy jumps in the middle of it, and then because he doesn't follow through, he doesn't do what he's supposed to. Then what happens is he's he he is sexually harassed somebody when in fact, you know, the female kind of set the whole pattern up. 
And yeah, um, but you know what? The- uh, can I say this? A lot of men, when they're sexually harassed, they're not going to say anything. They're not going to oh, go no, to the media. They're not going to. We're not going to say anything. Uh, well, a woman grope yeah. if grope one of us. We're not going to run to the media. We're not going to run to the newspapers. We're not going to do anything because you know. But but women, I mean, I mean, if they get upset with a guy, they, I mean, hey, they're going straight to the media and whatever and try to ruin his life. But men mostly are quiet on that. Yeah. Well, that's very I, that's absolutely on target. I think that's really really true. You know, uh, yeah. uh, the other thing that uh, some female and that you know, not everybody, right, but some, some females, yes, yeah, do is they uh, they start collecting other females. You know, well, didn't so and so do that to you to, to, when you work? And all of a sudden, they got ten or twelve females who are saying, "Yeah, he's a rat," and some of them are rats. But the idea is that every man that gets accused is not really um he made a mistake there's no question he made a mistake but the bottom line is is that there was a setup in some of it yeah and the setup was that guy was lured into um into a uh being a little too friendly with the female and gee whiz you know i mean they you know you have a woman that comes in is dressed half dressed and um and a bit yeah and all of a sudden you know the guy's some kind of a jerk or whatever and so you know i i kind of um i don't feel sorry for the guy because he fell into the trap but the other thing is is that a man won't go to the media particularly in our society now because who would believe him right who would believe it and 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 they'll and a lot of people are saying what the hell are you complaining about (laughs) you know but uh anyway uh doc yeah, anyway, uh, Bob, Dr. Bob Rush on the George Walter Jr. Show, can you tell us something about when your book is going to come out and how people can get in touch with you uh, to talk a little bit more about this or you you can enlighten them a little bit more? Where can we find a yeah. website or uh, tell us yeah, about Yeah, I have a website. Oh, go, go right ahead. Yeah, my, my website is uh, energydrivenleader.com. Energydrivenleader.com. Um, and the book will, uh, I don't have an exact date, George, but the book should be out in June. And I just okay. have to say sometime in June. So I'm not, I'm not sure okay. when it's going to be, but, but, um, yeah, they can get in touch with me. And then also I have a, um, I have a newsletter that, uh, as I said, talks about all these kinds of things that we're talking about. And you slid into that. But you do have men getting the back. Bob, you do, you do have three other books. Tell us where we can go find those. I did get them on uh, Amazon.com. Um, okay. Uh, they are basically there, Amazon.com. Uh, they're they're also on. Um, oh, she was. I forgot to make that that uh, bookstore. Anyway, Amazon.com is a good and in the uh, okay is, is the best place to get them. The um, uh, one of them is called the Power of Personal Energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about energy and performance. The other one is called the secret power and stress. Uh, yeah. and it has to do with those, uh, you know, that there's really a lot of power in stress. If you really get stressed, yeah. you know, you have, you have a lot of power to do things and to accomplish things. Stress is not always a bad thing. Um, what is the best way to get rid of bad stress? 
Well, my sense is do good things. I mean, in other words, not just okay. good deeds, but but yeah. one one way to get rid of it is to um, get rid of stress. For example, if I'm hanging with the wrong crowd, if I'm hanging with the wrong people, I'm setting myself up to be, to have a stressful life. If, uh, for example, uh, there's a great little saying um, uh, that uh, that actually I've learned from my son, and that is persistence without resistance is repetition. Now, what that means, persistence yeah. without resistance is repetition. What that means is you got to have struggles in your life. I mean, you, you have to. You had them. Um, You've yeah, had I've had struggles. <laughs> you got to have pressure. My son wanted to be on the yeah. Olympic weightlifting team, and and um, so he yeah. started with a forty-five pound bar, forty-five pound plates, and and the yeah. only way that he got stronger was to put more resistance on that bar. So we have to have resistance yeah. in our life. Now, admitting that, you know, yeah. this is not too bad. This is really not too bad. Uh, admitting that you're going through a tough time uh it is uh it can be good for a person it, rather than saying yeah. woe is me and feeling sorry for yourself and all that stuff so there's a lot of ways that a lot of people talk about meditation and all that and i, I you know and i think that's good prayer yeah, is great. great yeah yeah you know but i think for the yeah. most part stress is stress is best dealt with by having a counter active uh, counteracting behavior and that counteracting okay, behavior doc okay yeah i was going to say dr bob ross on the george wilder jr show we've ran over a lot of time i want to thank you for being on the show and one of the other things i want to do i want to send you uh, a link to this show so you can put this show up on your website and that people can come by your website and listen to you on this show how is that sounds good that sounds you good george i appreciate <laughs> Yeah, I want to send you the link to the show, and uh, you can just put it up on your website or, you know, use it any way you want to, and they can come by and hear you on the show. All right? Thank you. Take care. No problem. Bye-bye. You too. Dr. Bob Rush on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I guess he's a doctor of relationships. Okay. Uh, making the world a better place. Uh, one show at a time. This is the George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. brought us to the brink of nuclear war, obstructed justice at the FBI, 
and in direct violation of the Constitution. He's taken money from foreign governments and threatened to shut down news organizations that report the truth. If that isn't a case for impeaching and removing a dangerous president, then what has our government become? I'm Tom Steyer, and like you, I'm a citizen who knows it's up to us to do something. It's why I'm funding this effort to raise our voices together and demand that elected officials take a stand on impeachment. A Republican Congress once impeached a president for far less. Yet today, people in Congress and his own administration know that this president is a clear and present danger who's mentally unstable and armed with nuclear weapons. And they do nothing. Join us and tell your member of Congress that they have a moral responsibility to stop doing what's political and start doing what's right. Our country depends on it. Trump's favorable ratings are the lowest, I believe, for any president who has served the length of time that he has served. So people look at Washington and they don't see much that they feel very good about. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that, which this budget really demonstrates. Number one, there are politicians who run for office and they say one thing. Uh, President Trump, when he was a candidate, ran for office and he said, I'm a different type of Republican. I'm not the Mick Mulvaney type of Republican. I'm different. I'm going to stand with working families. We're going to take on the establishment and so forth and so on. Well, it turns out he did exactly the opposite. And this budget is a clear manifestation of him doing exactly the opposite. Uh, and second of all, I think what the American people understand is their one vote, their one voice matters relatively little in a Congress which is dominated by big money, wealthy campaign contributors. The Koch brothers are going to spend some $400 million in the coming campaign. And you know what? This budget is the budget of the Koch brothers. It is the budget of the billionaire class, and the American people understand it. This is a budget which will make it harder for our children to get a decent education, harder for working families to get the health care they desperately need, harder to protect the air that we breathe and the water we drink, and harder for the elderly to live out their retirement years with dignity and respect. This is not a budget, as candidate Donald Trump talked about, that takes on the political establishment. This is a budget of the political establishment. This is the Robin Hood principle in reverse. It is a budget that takes from the poor and gives to the very wealthy. During the campaign, as we'll all recall, Donald Trump told us that, quote, the rich will not be gaining at all, end quote, under his tax reform plan. Rich will not be gaining at all. But as president, the tax reform legislation Trump signed into law a few weeks ago provides 83% of the benefits to the top 1%, raises taxes on millions of middle-class families, and drives up the deficit by $1.7 trillion by the end of the decade. And if you are wondering how President Trump plans to pay for his massive tax cuts to millionaires, billionaires, and large corporations, this budget answers that question for you by breaking his campaign pledge not to cut Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. 
In fact, President Trump's budget would slash Medicaid by over $1.3 trillion, cut Medicare by over $500 billion, and reduce Social Security by nearly $25 billion. Mr. Chairman, as you know, Medicaid now pays for more than two-thirds of all nursing home care in our country. What happens to senior citizens who have their nursing home coverage paid for by Medicaid if that program is cut by $1.3 trillion? Think about it. People now in nursing homes with Alzheimer's, serious illnesses, massive cuts, what happens to them, what happens to their families? And it's not just seniors. Today, Medicaid covers millions of children with special needs. We are the only major country on earth not to guarantee health care to all people, and this budget would then throw millions more people off the health insurance they have. We have an opioid epidemic that every person up here talks about every day. But when you slash Medicaid by a trillion dollars, you make it infinitely harder for communities, cities, states to deal with this terrible crisis. During his campaign, Donald Trump told the American people that he was going to provide, and I quote, health insurance from everybody, end quote, with much lower deductibles. But President Trump's budget would throw an estimated 32 million people off the health care they currently have. 32 million people. And at the same time, it would substantially raise premiums for older Americans. Mr. Chairman, what this budget is about is a massive transfer of wealth from working families, the elderly, the children, the sick and the poor, and the most vulnerable people in our country to the top 1% and large corporations. As a candidate, Trump said that he understood the pain that working families across the country were feeling. Well, Mr. President, you are not responding to that pain when you propose a budget that would throw over a million children off after-school programs. You're not a champion of working families. You're not responding to pain when your budget would kick a half a million families out of their homes by gutting affordable housing. We have a massive crisis in affordable housing from coast to coast. This budget would make it much, much worse. You don't help working families Mr. President or Mr. Mulvaney, by throwing more than 100,000 children off of Head Start. We need to move to universal pre-K. Every family in America should know that their kids have good quality child care. You don't throw 100,000 children off of Head Start. You don't help working families when your budget would eliminate financial aid to more than a million and a half low-income college students. Kids are graduating school. Thirty, forty, dollars $100,000 in debt, this budget makes their problems even worse. You're not a, quote, different kind of Republican by proposing a budget that would eliminate heating assistance to nearly 7 million families in this country. Let me tell the President, Mr. Mulvaney, it gets cold in Vermont and many other parts in this country. Many of our elderly people keep warm in the wintertime through the low-income heating assistance program. Don't eliminate it. Mr. Chairman, while President Trump tells us we don't have enough money to help the working people of this country, he does believe that we have enough money to provide a massive, massive, massive increase in the Pentagon, an agency of government that has not been able to do an audit and where study after study shows us that there are hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars in waste. So, Mr. 
Chairman, the good news is this budget is going nowhere. Everybody knows that. But it does indicate where Trump and his friends are coming from. And the American people have got to understand that. And we've got to stand up and say, no, these are not the priorities of, these, of this country. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Senator Sanders. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. You know, uh, budgets deal with trillions of dollars and thousands of pages and words after words after words and numbers after numbers after numbers. But the truth is, as I'm sure Director Mulvaney knows, um, these numbers have real meaning to the lives of ordinary people. Mr. Chairman, I want to put into the record, if I might, an article from PolitiFact uh, dated June 27, 2017. Without objection. And without going into all of what the article says, it basically confirms that when you throw many millions of people off of the health insurance they have, thousands of them will die. This budget calls once again for the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. The estimate is that some 32 million Americans will lose their health insurance. And what study after study shows is that when you throw 32 million people off of their health insurance, tens of thousands of them will die. Will die. Director Mulvaney, tell me about the morality of a budget which supports tax breaks for billionaires, throws 32 million people off the health insurance they have, resulting in the deaths of tens of thousands of fellow Americans. Do you really think this is something that we should be doing in the year 2018? Actually, I don't think it's something that we're actually doing, Senator. Um, again, I'm not familiar with the article of, that you've mentioned. My guess is that it references the CBO report uh, regarding various Republican proposals to repeal and replace Obamacare. Uh All right, I want to say this again. <laughs> this is the George Wilder Jr. Show uh, broadcasting live on the, it's 7.07 straight up p.m. in the city of Chicago. I hope it's great and wonderful where you are. Wherever you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, I hope you are doing well. I really honestly mean that. Okay, let's um, go here. <laughs> it's funny, folks. I just have to say this again. I think I mentioned it at the beginning of the show that uh, Trump, <laughs> Donald Trump, um, says he would have fought off the Parkland shooter, the, high, the guy who went in a high school and shot 17 people. Donald Trump says he would have went in there without a gun, without a gun. And we know damn well Donald Trump wouldn't have gone nowhere. Um, Trump, who cited bone spurs to avoid military service, claims he would have fought off the Parkland shooter without a weapon. He'd have gone in. The, the Parkland shooter, he had an AR-15 assault rifle. And Trump said he, he would go inside this, he would have gone inside this school, no weapon, and face this guy. This guy would have shot a bullet up his ass. <laughs> Trump doesn't, he doesn't think before he says stuff, especially when he's off script. I'm pretty sure that the people, uh, his handlers or, or, or <laughs> his handlers or whoever the hell 
uh, is responsible for Trump. I mean, this guy is just, I don't know. He talks out of his butt. I want to say something else. He talks out of his butt, you know. So <laughs> he's a mess. I can't really decide this actual. I can't really. This is a post. I can't really decide if this is actual presidency or an elaborated collaboration of the executives of NBC. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, it's Trump. It's Trump. Do any of you uh, Trump supporters believe him? A single one of you, any single one of you, if not, then what does that tell you about this pathological liar of a man who would un- who would unprompted bring up such a false self bravado, such as a serious topic and a tragic event? Uh, yeah, this is a tragic event. I mean, people are still reeling from um, the Parkland shooting in Florida, okay? People are still really, and there's still funerals uh, that are probably going on or will go on in the future. And Trump gets up there. Even A lot of his uh, supporters are going to say, wow, he was just joking. He, he didn't mean it. I'm just waiting for that. I'm waiting for Sarah Huckabee Sanders to say he was just joking. He was just talking off the... Yeah, I mean, even if it was a joke, why make a joke like that? But it hasn't been stated as a joke as of yet at the taping of the show. It hasn't been stated as a joke, but I'm 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 guessing they're going to try to clean this up and say it was a joke or, or he, uh, an attempt at humor. But it will still be bad, even if it's an attempt, an attempt at humor to say he's going to uh, if it was him, he'd run into the school building with this active shooter without a weapon. And we know he can't run because he has bone. He has, uh, um, I think, bone spurs. And that was one of the reasons he gave five times for getting out of serving in the military. And then he's talking about he's going to run. He's 71 years old. He's out of shape. His breakfast, I mean, he, he eats from McDonald's. Those, that's his favorite food. And he's going to run. He'll have a heart attack if he tries to run. He's out of shape. You know, so, I mean, this is just another lie. This is just another uh, falsehood coming from Donald Trump. And I've told people before, I said, well, uh, watch out. This is probably another distraction. Distracting us uh, with something that Donald Trump has said that means nothing while the uh, people in Congress, the Republicans in Congress, are cutting our throats while we're paying attention to the the stupidity of Donald Trump. Um, People are still talking about this. (laughs) Donald Trump running inside of a school where there's an active shooter with no weapon. Wow. This man makes the dumbest statements uh, at the wrong time (laughs) gunfight. This guy (laughs) makes the dumbest statements, statements at the wrong, excuse me, I'm a little bit here because I, I just can't believe what, what this guy has said. And there's people out there, well, you know, Trump, he'll say anything. Yeah, but you have to realize something. Stop calling him a liar. We uh, he we know he's a pathological liar. Uh, Trump is the president of the United States. What he says, words matter. 
actions matter. He's a corrupt president. He's under investigation for collusion, obstruction, and just being a plain old awful guy president. You know, he is he is the president and what he says makes news. Regardless of whether you like it or not or you want to hear it or not, this guy makes news. It might be stupid news, it might be a bunch of lies, it might be a bunch of nothing, but he makes news and he's the president of the United States and and people, uh journalists uh, reporters, they get paid to cover him. So what he says, news, no matter how stupid or dumb or ignorant it is, it makes news. And for reporters not to report that, they would not be doing their job. Now, if you got people out here who don't like to hear negative things about Donald Trump, cover your ears. You know, uh, and, and, go, and go visit Australia or something. You know, but this guy is just awful. <laughs> you know, damn well, he's not going to run into a school with someone firing a lot of bullets with no gun by himself. He he, he doesn't think. He really doesn't think. All right, you've been listening to the to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. And I'm, I want to say this, too. Uh, as I eluded uh, at the beginning of the show... Don't be afraid to be yourself. And and please, please do not let age stop you from doing anything you want to do. Do not let age, um, whether 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, do not let age stop you from doing anything you want to do if it brings you enjoyment. And don't be afraid to brag about Don't be afraid. I'm, I'm looking at her smiling here. Um, don't be afraid to brag about anything to do. Let the world know what you, I mean, you have the computer, you have Facebook, tell the world. You have Amazon, you have all these uh, uh, social media sites. Tell the world what you do and what you're about. Don't keep it a secret. We all want to know uh, uh, what you do best and brag about it. And there are so many people that I, I know writers and authors who will not brag or talk about their work. And the first thing I'm going, why are you doing it? If you, <laughs> if you don't want to let anybody know about what you do, why are you doing it? And I used to know this one person. She used to write essays and stories, but she would stick them down in the bottom of her dresser drawer. They would only be for her eyes only. Give me a break. I mean, you're going to spend all that time writing those essays, those stories, and you're not going to share them with the world? But you've got people like that who do great things, but they're afraid to talk about talk about them. But they don't want to talk about them. If you do great things, if you do wonderful things, let us know that you're doing those wonderful things. Brag about it, bring it to, to bring everything to the forefront. If you have a talent, a God-given talent, do not hide it. Let people know that you have it. Because if you bury your talent, if you bury your creativity, then it's buried. Nobody's going to know what you do. Nobody's going to be able to say, hey, you're great at that. 
because you're burying what you do. You don't want people to know what you're doing. You just, what you're doing is just for your eyes only, which is crazy. You want the world to know what you're doing. You want, to, you want people to say, wow, you, that's great. That's wonderful. That's good. Keep it up. You know, but if you're going to hide what you do, you don't want, I don't want nobody to see this. This is personal. This is private. Well, then that's your preference. But I'm just speaking to to those um, who want to try to share their creative, their creativity, their talent, and their time. You know, so yeah, that's that's what it's all about. You know, and brag about what you do. Brag about. Tell the world. Remember what I just said at the beginning of the show: being shy, bashful, are negatives. You know. Nobody ever gets anywhere in this world being shy, afraid to talk, afraid to share what they know, or or don't want to be around people in general. It's not a good way to be. And one another thing I know I know uh, I I think people should understand. But if you want to get somewhere in this world, you have to be a people person. You have to like people. You have to want to uh, interact and. Uh, collaborate and you know converse with people in or in order to be somewhat successful no no one is going to be successful alone you 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 have to have other people you have to bring other people into the fold nobody's going to go out there and be successful all by yourself it ain't gonna happen (laughs) uh you may have a specific talent where you may be able to bring other people in with you in order to nurture your talent but there's always have to be somebody there because we're all we're we're all gonna need support everybody needs support if you have some sort of talent or creativity you're gonna need people to support you because without support it's like you know you may not make it you may have your mother your father your cousin your brother or your friends a thousand miles away uh giving you support and and you know and egging you on to be the best that you can be. Some people need that, you know. Then you have people who just might make it all by themselves with no support, but they have to bring in some people in order to uh, keep that uh, creativity going on. And those who are going to look out for the person while this person is pursuing their uh, dreams and goals. All right, you've been listening to the George Wanda Jr. Show. Hate, lies, bullying have no home here. We got nine, what is that, nine or ten more minutes left into the show. And uh, don't worry about meeting other people's expectations. Just worry about meeting your own. said that at the beginning of the show. Meet your own expectations. Lift yourself up. Never, ever try to please everyone. It's not going to happen because this person on your right might say that you are nothing. The person on your left might say that you are really something. So, but you cannot please everybody. I mean, even if, because you got a lot of assholes out there, they're going to, they're going to put you down no matter what they're going (laughs) to, you know, no matter what, but you should not let that stop you. Just because someone doesn't want to do what you want to do, 
that shouldn't stop you from doing what you love doing. Just because other people don't want to uh, come into your circle and support you doesn't mean that you have to stop doing what you're doing because one of the things you love what you're doing, so you don't let anybody else stop you. You know, because there's, there's a lot of people, and I've um, heard a lot of people say and read, a, read that a lot of people say that they have people in their own families who try to persuade them from being the best that they can be. I've had people say in their own families, in their own love lives, they have people who are trying to stop them from putting their best foot forward, stop them from being successful, stop them from being uh, uh, showing their talents. You got people, it's going on right now. So many relationships out here where uh, the it's not a good union and um, a, lo- a lot of people in relationship, their other half is, is totally, totally trying to say that they don't have any talent and they're laughing at them and all that kind of thing. As, as I've said before, if this is happen- happening to you where relationship or you have family members who don't believe in your talent, who laugh at you, who try to make things hard for you because you want to make, because you want to make something out of yourself, you have to get rid of those people or you'll never be anything. They will hold you back. They want to hold you back. However, once you make it, if you make it, if you're successful and you're wonderful, those same people are going to start galvanizing towards you and you just slam the door on them. All right, you've been you've been, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show. Let's see if this works.
Holding up the roses If the bombs begin to fall Heaven help the black man If he struggles one more day Heaven help the white man If he turns back away Heaven help the man Who kicks the man as a crawl you there we <laughs> we know you're there doing that and have a great uh evening have a great weekend whichever comes first have a great one everybody bye 10 seconds we have 10 seconds bye-bye everybody take care Jesus Christ.